Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and Happy New Year as we launch our first podcast of 2016. And to get things started, I know that a lot of you are probably still in recovery mode from your indulgences over the holiday season. And if you're like so many others out there kicking off the new year, you're doing some reevaluating and feeling like it's probably time to do something about getting into better shape. Unfortunately, most people who resolve to take off those unwanted pounds and eat better and exercise more give up completely within the first 30 days. Now, my goal is to not let that happen to you. And this week's broadcast, I decided to get off to a great start with some transformational fitness secrets from my training experience as a master fitness trainer in the military. Now, I have a ton of great tips for you this week, and I know you'll find it motivating as well as helpful no matter what diet or exercise program you're deciding on. So get ready to take lots of notes, and let's get started now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Okay, so you maybe think you're ready to, ready to go, fully stocked for any emergency with risk of ammo, survival seat pack, your 27 cases of MREs, and of course your case of Budweiser. But let me ask you this. Are you physically prepared for a crisis? Or, put in a, a less delicate way, are you overweight and out of shape? Now, and I understand it's a hard question to ask yourself, but if you answered yes, then now is the time to finally do something about it. You see, when it comes to facing an emergency that pits you against natural or even man-made disasters, you can either plan ahead or perish. And the same goes for those of you out there who carry a firearm and think this may not apply to you, you know, for personal defense. But you may not always be able to even get to your gun to defend yourself. So the more in shape you are to go hand-to-hand if it becomes necessary, the better your chances of survival are going to be. So with so many fitness programs online, though, and in the magazines and on television with infomercials, what is the best way to get in fit-to-fight shape as fast as humanly possible without living off celery sticks or carrots or tree bark, you know, or just killing yourself in the gym day after day. Well, that is what we are here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Greg Gillies from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine with another podcast to help you better prepare for your role as a protector and a patriot. And today, we're joined once again by our very own Jeff Anderson, editor for MCS Magazine, to share a part of his past and training that probably many of you don't even know about. So, Jeff, Welcome back to the program as a guest this time. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know we're probably, there's probably a few raised eyebrows out there like, really, Jeff? Like, fitness? <laughs> but no, this, this is going to be fun. Um, yeah, well, this is the perfect time of year to dig into this topic, too. So I'm sure this is going to help yeah. a lot of people to get the year started off right. Uh, it's resolution time. So now for those of you out there who are new listeners or maybe aren't familiar with Jeff, uh, or if you've been following his stuff but are wondering why he would ever be an expert on the topic of fitness, as he, he just mentioned, Jeff is actually an accomplished fitness coach and author in another life. 
You know, during his time in the military, he was a master fitness trainer and weight control NCOIC. And in civilian life, he's actually developed several bodybuilding and weight loss programs, many of which are still being used by pro bodybuilders as well as fitness models. It actually was just working using the military principles he trained in as a master fitness trainer in the Army that really led him to identify the best tactics for building muscle while burning fat at the same time and getting amazing fit to fight shape fast. And that's what we're here to discuss today. And you can learn more about Jeff's military approach to fitness at www.battlereadybody.com. So let's get into this. Jeff, all you have to do is turn on the cable television anytime during the day or night. You can find a bazillion different infomercials promising the secrets to creating the body you've always dreamed of. So what makes a military-style program any better than any of those other programs people see all the time? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, programs out there. Um, the, I, I guess in a nutshell, I would say life or death, because that's what the military program was really based on. Essentially, you know, the military knows a fat soldier is a dead soldier. When you think about it, you know, in order for you to be effective on the battlefield, you've got to pull the trigger more times than the other person does. And that means, you know, you have to bound up to your next, uh, to your next covered position. You know, it's, there's offense, there's defense. You, there's, there's a lot you have to do when you're a boots on the ground soldier. You've got to be functional. You've got to be able to get up, run very quickly to your next covered position and get there without being shot. And if you are overweight and if you're out of shape, then you're going to be slow getting in that position. You're going to be a nice, fat, slow target for the enemy to be able to take out. And I, you know, that's, I know that's, that's very, you know, kind of candid, but that's the way the military looks at it. So, and, and that's evident in the development of their fitness program. It had to be functional. It had to be based upon how the, what the body's demands are going to be during uh, a combat mission. You know, you had to be able to push yourself up off the ground very quickly, hence push-ups. You needed to be able to pull yourself up and over obstacles, hence pull-ups. You had to be able to quickly get from your back, back onto your feet. If you were knocked over or blown off your feet or whatever, you had to quickly get back up, hence sit-ups. So the program, and, and you had to be able to run. So there's a cardio approach as well. So basically, it was made for you to be able to survive a battlefield. And in doing that, they set the bar very high for the development of the program. So, I mean, when you think about the people who are in the military, you have men, you have women, you have all body types. So you have little skinny people, you know, kind of, you know, the, we call them ectomorphs, you know, the very frail body type that don't have a lot of muscle mass on them but never have to worry about body fat. You have people who are more the endomorph body type where they might have a lot of muscle but they also gain fat very quickly. Um, especially when you're dealing with women, there's and, and you've and you've got um, different, especially different body types among women. You had to be able to be able to provide a military f a fitness program for them as well, as well as all ages. I mean, you have 18 year old. I call them kids because I'm you know an old fart now. So you have 18 year old kids coming in the military, and you have you know people in their 40s and and potentially even 50s that are you know long term. You know they're 30. Um, 30-year veterans that are in there. So maybe not, you know, getting close to 50 probably or getting, you know, it, it's getting up there. So, um, and the program is the same for everybody. Now there's different standards for each one of them, but the program that they developed had to be able to accommodate 
all of those different ranges. And that makes it very powerful to be able to work for civilians as well. And the last thing I would say is that you have one and a half million people in the military. So as this program has developed over time and been refined, think about it. You've got a million and a half plus test cases to be able to refine the fitness program to be able to add to and take away what doesn't work. And and it's, it gives you a lot of research data to go off of, um, forced research data, but that, you know, it's, it's, it makes it very powerful to be able to really fine tune it. And an evaluation of the military's fitness program found it to be 288% faster or more effective at burning fat than other evaluated programs. And that includes civilian programs that are out there, typical diet and, and workout programs. So it's that type of a program that, that has made it that powerful, even for civilians when, that I've worked with. Yeah, you know, uh, Tom, some of that was, was really interesting. One thing I wanted to point out in, in case it got, it got lost in there is obviously these infomercial programs and all this are not individualized. And in the middle military, like you said, I mean, they, they can't give an individualized program to everybody in the military. So they had to find a, one program that was very, very effective for a lot of people, which I think is, is really important because the only way to really do that is to go spend a ton of money on a, on a hopefully qualified, uh, <laughs> trainer. And, you know, a lot of these infomercial programs you look at or, you know, I know I'm sure you've gone through some of them and, and it's like, whoa, if you're not already in great shape, you can't do this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't fit for, for a lot of people. Um, so let's get into that a little bit and talk about some of the specific types of exercise routines that the military uses. Um, what would you say are those the most important factors you learned from your job as a master fitness trainer and as a fitness coach that you think people could put to use to get better results from their own training? Yeah, so, so one thing is whenever we go out to physical training or PT in the morning in the military, we're doing something different each day. So it might be cardio one day, it might be strength training one day, it might be circuit training another day. Um, it could be putting a rucksack on our back or, you know, backpack and being able to do a three mile or a five mile or a seven mile road march. But there's a lot of variety built in there. One of that, one factor in that is that it keeps things from getting stale. I think a lot of people, when you do something, the same thing day after day after day, it can become boring. And if it becomes boring, all of a sudden you lose the motivation to do it. Now, it's not like the military was trying to entertain us. They don't really care about whether we're entertained or not, but... The thing is that the variety also stresses the body in different ways. So that's going to benefit you a lot because your body wants to always adapt to the stress that it's given. So that's why if that's why you're able to, if you're a runner, for example, that's why you're able to continuously see improvements, um, you know, on your time and, and you feel less tired and everything because your body becomes accustomed to the stress that you're giving it. And it, be, and it learns, okay, well, if you're going to go running every day at this pace and you're, this is what you're going to do, well, now we know how to, you know, manage our oxygen intake and we know these muscles you need to develop the most because you're using them. So your body is always going to be in this constant state of trying to reach a, a state of balance. Well, that that's why a lot of people see results early on, but then they stagnate. And when they stagnate, you get frustrated. And it's because your body has learned to adapt to that stress. By adding variety into your program, the way that we do in the military, then it stresses the body in different ways and it kind of keeps it in this, this consistent guessing game, which it has to recover from the training that you're giving it, but it also 
keeps you from adapting. So you're 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 constantly making gains because you're you're stressing your body in different ways. So the variety really is key. Another another part is is that we folk when you think about like a military workout, you're ta- you're thinking about push-ups, sit-ups, things like that. And that's because muscle is your body's fat burning engine. So the more it it takes more calories for your body, even if you're just sitting in a chair. The more muscle you have on your body, your body is going to use body fat in order to maintain that muscle if it feels like it needs that muscle. Now, if you don't if if your idea of strength training is picking up the remote control and changing the channel, your body's going to say, "Well, we don't really need this muscle. We can we can get rid of it, you know. We don't really need this around." Let's and he's drinking, you know, he's eating ho-hos and drinking Dr. Pepper, so we do need the fat. So let's just store all this stuff away. So it's a it's a supply and demand thing. So if you're if you're working out to build muscle, or in this this is women and men, because women aren't going to they're not you're not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger if you're if you're building if you're focusing on the muscle. But what it is is that your body will use body fat to be able to maintain the muscle that you're telling it it needs in order to keep up with the workouts. So muscle really is your body's fat burning engine. That's what you need to focus in on. And the um, the other thing I would say is that again, when you think of military workouts, you think of push-ups, sit-ups, and things like that. So body weight training it works the best at stimulating muscle mass and muscle growth and 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 lean muscle maintenance. And the reason for that is is that it activates your central nervous system much more than any other type of exercise. And anything that you do related to the body, anything, I don't care if it's just picking up a pencil, it all has to do with electrical impulses of your central nervous system. Well, the same thing goes when you're looking at your fitness and you're looking at, you know, stimulating muscle for growth and and stimulating your your body to burn body fat. It all happens within the central nervous system. And when, and, and all that is based upon the input that you give it. So I'll give you an example. So this is, this is why body weight exercises are best at activating the central nervous system. So it all happens in the brain. So let's just take two two um, quick examples of a workout like um, bench press versus a push-up. So with a bench press and a, and a push-up, they're basically the same type of an exercise. You're, you're working your chest. Your your arms are the only, you know really kind of the, the only thing moving in a way. I'll, I'll explain what that means. But but basically with the bench press, you're you're lying back on a bench. You have the barbell over top of you. Your feet are planted on the floor. So your body has a solid foundation. That's why you're able to lift, you know, 100 or 200 pounds or, you know, these guys, these guys go up to three, 400 pounds on the bench press. The reason for that is, is because your entire body is stable. And the only thing you have to work, focus in on your, that your central nervous system has to focus in on is pushing that weight up. That only involves your chest muscles, your arms, and and getting getting that bar up in your shoulders things like that but but it but it gives you a solid foundation to be able to do that now let's flip you over now you're doing a push up so same type of movement with your with your arms and your chest you're you're targeting the exact same spots but now you don't have that solid foundation anymore you only have four points of contact you have two hands and you have your toes now the way the body reads this is and this sounds a little weird but it's, it reads it as uh, um, dangerous because you only have a few points of stabilizing contact and yet your entire body is moving through the air up and down. 
And while it's not that much of a distance, you have to bring in all these different stabilizer muscles to make sure that you stay balanced throughout that movement. Those stabilizer muscles require more central nervous activation. So you're still working the same muscle groups, but you're now bringing in even more muscle fibers because you're adding these stabilizer muscles in even more. And with the danger that your brain recognizes, it's activating the central nervous system more as well. So body weight exercises work best at stimulating muscle for both growth and maintenance and burning body fat. Yeah, it's, it's interesting a uh, point because you're you're just even even though with the push up, you're really engaging. You know, you compare to the bench press, you're engaging your chest and your triceps a lot. Your whole body is doing something to keep you in that position, right? right. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're saying. Like you're you're engaging. You may be focused on that one area, but your whole body has to engage to keep you in that push up position, as opposed to you know, sitting at any type of machine or like you mentioned, the, the, the bench press. So you're, you're getting a lot more out of it. I guess more efficient would be, uh, would be one way to, one way to put it. Um, and one thing I thought was, was really interesting when you mentioned the variety and, and putting that, um, into the program and you mentioned people, they make, get results at the beginning and then they sort of stop and people don't know where, where to go from there. They either quit or they usually end up, they just do more of the same and then, burn out. Yeah, then, and then you get the adaptation in there. Down the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then it defeats the whole purpose. So it starts right, out right. great, but that's why, you know, th- people get really frustrated with when they stop seeing results. I mean, that's a big right. motivator is seeing the results. So, you know, that's one of the things they just, they adapt to it. Yeah, so building that variety in there really uh, can help yeah. people keep going. Um, so what about the structure of these military workouts themselves? You know, like, what are some of the ways that people they can set up their own training routine so that they can get the most out of it. Yeah. So it really doesn't take a lot. So you don't really have, you know, when you think about the military workouts themselves, I mean, there's a few factors. So one, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of dating myself here, but there used to be this old commercial. Uh, it was a mil, it was an army recruiting commercial. I never understood why it was like a, why it was what the big positive message was in it. But the motto was, we do more before 6 a.m. than most people do all day. And I have a teenager, and I tell you, he could sleep until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Guys. So I don't know. I never understood why that was like, a, yes, come. We're going to wake you up early in the morning and work your ass off. But the first they're, thing that the first thing that we – They're weeding out a lot of people. That's without. true. That's absolutely true, yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, is that it's um, – the very first thing that we do in the morning – when we get up, we go shave, we get our PT clothes on, we go out there in formation, and the very first thing that you do is your workout. And there's some there's some reasons for that that work really well for people in, that are in a civilian workout as well, and why I recommend that you work out in the morning. For one, you know, we got it out of the way. So it wasn't like, oh, we didn't have time for PT today because, you know, we were down at the motor pool or we were cleaning our equipment or we had this to do, we had that to do, we just ran out of time. You know, we made it a priority because the the military knows that a fat soldier is a dead soldier. It prioritizes your fitness level. You've got to be fit. So getting it done in the morning means that you actually get it done. But the other thing that it does is it also stimulates your metabolism. So your metabolism, um, when you're sleeping at night, your metabolism goes really down low so that your body can recover. So that's that's your ultra rest mode. 
that's where you do a, and that's where your body really rejuvenates itself from the stress that you put it through during the day. So when you wake up in the morning, your metabolism starts to rev up a little bit more. Um, it starts to get the hormones flowing. You get a shot of, guys get a shot of testosterone. Actually, women do too, but you get the testosterone surge in the, in the morning. Your body starts to come awake and your metabolism starts to increase and it's going to spike up if you, if you get your, um, if you know, if you start working out in the morning. So you give it more of a boost. Your metabolism gets more of a boost from your workouts in the morning. So that's another reason why I recommend that you actually, you know, follow a military style program where you're doing your workouts in the morning. Now, for those people that are more challenged, like when I had soldiers that were put onto the weight loss, um, the weight loss program because they, you know, soldiers get out of shape too. Too many beers, pizza, you know, you can get, it doesn't matter what the workout is. They could, you can really sabotage it with your, with your diet program. So when they got overweight, they sent them to me. And then what we would do is at the end of the day, after last formation, they would come, we would do another workout in the, in the late afternoon. Now, what this does is your body, your metabolism does start out in the morning and it, and it works very well, but then it starts to slow down as you get toward the evening time. So you're not burning as many calories naturally. Your body's starting to go into the mode where it's going to go to sleep. But if you put in a low intensity exercise um, in the late afternoon, what you do is you boost your metabolism back up. So you get this another little round of calorie burning going. That focuses in on that, especially if, you know, just a little bit on the muscle, then what it'll do is it will, it will burn even more calories throughout the day, uh, and, and going in toward, toward the evening. So that, that little afternoon burst of a low intensity exercise. Now it doesn't need to be that much. I mean, it could be a walk with your dogs or your spouse after dinner, just like, you know, a one mile, two mile, three mile walk if you can. Might just be a short jog if you want to. Um, it doesn't have to be all that intense and doesn't have to be all that long. It just has to be something that you can, that you can, you can do just to get another little bit of, of exercise in there. And that, and that'll help out a lot also. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds good. I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's me. I might, maybe I have the, the wrong, uh, attitude for it right now, Jeff, but you mentioned that, that afternoon, that little afternoon workout for the boost of metabolism. I started thinking maybe I should just go down to Mexico because their afternoon program is complete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, won't burn off the calories that I want, right? I, yeah, I think you're going in the wrong direction. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so you get yeah. after that second workout. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and you mentioned the uh, diet in there, the, the pizza and, and beer. Um, I think a very popular diet nowadays. Um, <laughs> but and you know, a lot of fitness gurus will tell you that diet is 80 percent of any fitness program as far as your results. You know. I'm, Sure, we've we've all heard the whole you know your abs are built in the kitchen, um, and so that's what matters most. Uh, so, what kind of diet plan does the military have to keep soldiers in shape that would also work for the average Joe and Jane out there who are struggling eating right in order to get in better shape? You know, I think that that eating right consistently is a, is a big obstacle for a lot of people. Yeah, well, and, and it's an obstacle for people in the military too. I mean, there's not everybody is like a you know a a 5% body fat Navy SEAL. I mean, if you go in the barracks, the military barracks, you know, at, at pretty much on any night during the week, but, you know, especially on weekends, it's like a big frat party almost every night. So, you know, we like our beer, we like our pizza, and, you know, we, we like partying. So you work really hard, you kick ass and party hard. And so 
obviously those are not, you know, very effective elements for, for staying in shape. So, um, the mil and when you go into a military chow hall, it's not like it's all that much better because you do have some healthy food options there, but you also typically have a fast food line also. So you can get in either line. Now there's a salad bar and you can choose to just blow right past the salad bar if you want to. So, you know, a lot of soldiers will go and, and if you go up into the, uh, the fat, the, the, I call it fast food line, but you know, the short order line, it's, you can get a couple of cheeseburgers and French fries and you can get hot dogs with chili on them. And you can, you have those choices just like anybody does. I mean, you, everybody that's listening right now, you have choices of what you eat. Well, soldiers do too. So it's not like the military forces you into a healthy meal plan. So, so that, I guess that's one thing is that we're, we're also challenged and diets don't work and soldiers don't do diets. So it's a matter of, so what, what does work then? And there are some tips that have worked really well, especially for the soldiers that I, that I've had that were overweight. Um, because I tell them that you, you don't want to deprive yourself. I mean, that's one of the biggest nails in the coffin of a diet is, you know, you start living off of celery and green juices and tree bark. And basically it's like, oh my, it's, I mean, just the word diet is a, you know, it's a four lip. The, the word die is in diet. <laughs> so, you know, that should tell you something right there. And that's the way people think about it. So it doesn't have to be that way. Food doesn't have to be your enemy. In fact, I love food. Um, but it's just a matter of how you treat food and, and, and what you let into your life. And I'm not talking about depriving yourself. Um, in our, in the Battle Ready Body program, actually dessert is required every single day. So, because your body does crave sweets, it's a natural thing that your body craves. It's just a matter of what you give it. So there are some things that have worked really well for the soldiers. You know, one I would say is, um, um, find the, the foods that you really like. If you were to, somebody to say you need to go on a diet, what's that one food that you can think of that it's like, oh my God, I, I, I just, I don't want to give up that food. And it might be cheeseburgers. It might be, um, for me, it was nachos. You know, I love nachos. I used to make nachos all the time, but the corn chips and nachos are high, high fat. They're made out of corn. So, they have a lot of omega, uh, harmful omega sixes in it that cause inflammation in the body. Um, if you throw a bunch of cheese on there, I mean that's got a lot of saturated fat in it, a lot of calories. But if you think about it, nachos really can be um, healthy if you do them the right way. So instead of using corn chips, I use plantain chips now, which are a healthier version. Um, I also I, I eat paleo for the most part, and uh, Plantain chips are on a paleo diet. So if you're out there and you are following something that's paleo, you know, putting on some plantain chips with some lean ground beef or chicken with some fresh vegetables like some onions and some jalapenos and some red bell peppers, putting that all on there, skip the cheese, but just cook, toast everything else up in the oven. And then for that creamy texture, I use avocado, which is loaded with potassium and loaded with monounsaturated fats that are really good for your body. They actually help you build muscle and burn fat, those, those monounsaturated fats. So, um, so you can make them healthy and you, and there's no sense of deprivation with it whatsoever. So find your comfort food and find a healthier version of it is all you need to do. The second option that I used to do with the soldiers is instead of them going up and instead of telling them, sorry, you can't eat cheeseburgers and French fries anymore. You know, I know that because they saw me watching maybe in the, in the chow hall that when it came time at, at night, 
I'm not going to be in their their barracks room at all. So I know they're just going to order up some, you know, some Pizza Hut pizza and break open a six pack of beer. So, you know, that's I, I knew that depriving them was not going to help it. So what I told them was, look, you can go ahead and go through. Um, what I want you to do is when you go into the chow hall, first go to the salad bar and just get yourself a salad and sit down. Don't get your other food yet. Just get the salad and eat the salad, all of it. And then when you then I want you to go up and if you're normally going into the the short order line, instead of getting two cheeseburgers and an order of fries, get a hamburger and get um a half an order of fries and then go back and eat that stuff. So you're still getting that taste of the burger and you're still getting the fries. I say skip the cheese. I mean, I I always load the thing with ketchup anyway, so it's never like I ever actually you know, tasted the cheese, right. but so you have a burger and you have half an order of fries. And what it does is that it fills you up. Your body, your brain starts to get the sense as you're eating the salad that you're, you're getting full. And so you're, you'll start to feel satiated a lot earlier. And a lot of people didn't even eat the, you know, finish the burger and fries. So what you did right there was you cut your calories in half because you didn't do the two burgers and, fr- and a whole order of fries. And you gave your body some well-needed, you know, nutrients uh, from the minerals and the vitamins that you get from the vegetables from the salad. Um, so that does a lot, especially when you do that three times. If you look at the meals that, and you evaluate what you're eating, and and do that, you can make a big difference. You can even do this when you go out to a restaurant because that's a hard thing for people. I like to eat out, and so what I do is I eat an apple on the way to the restaurant. Now, apples have a lot of pectin inside of them, and that helps you feel full as well. It bulks up in your stomach, so you you start to feel full already. Um, When you get to the restaurant, what I do is I order what I want, but I have them, I tell them back in the kitchen, go ahead and, in fact, some of the restaurants I go to already know to do this, but I say just take half of the meal and put it in a to-go container and serve me half the meal for my meal. And, again, I just cut the calories in half. I don't feel like I've deprived myself. I'm getting the taste that I want. I'm also feeling full. It's not like, you know, and I'm not gorging myself, but I do feel full by the end of it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I don't feel like I didn't eat enough food or anything. And I have lunch for the next day if I want it. Yeah, that's, that's a, uh, that's a, a great tip there because as you know, and I'm sure most people listen to this, restaurants always give you way more than an actual single meal but like you said we eat it it's on our plate yeah (laughs) and we eat it yeah there have been studies that have done where they just where they they took people and the size of the plates and no matter what it was they always ate um almost all what was on the plate so the larger the plate the more food that they would actually eat so if you go to restaurants now you take a look at the size of the plates they're huge. Yeah. They're huge plates. And that gives you the sense like you're getting this big meal. Like it's, this is gr- it's a great value. Right. And, um, you know, so it's, it's all about marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you out there, Jeff, maybe when he's talking about his burger, made me think of this with the, uh, the ketchup comment that you made. Don't do that with your salad dressing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those, Jeff. I would do that. Yeah, I'd have a salad, but I'd have about 2,000 calories worth of dressing on top. Yeah. Well, but here's the other thing. And people, and this is a common mistake that people get like fat-free dressings. You don't, you actually want to use a a dressing that has fat in it. I I prefer to use like a, um, like an olive oil and balsamic vinegar, um, like that type of dressing. But 
um, certain vitamins that mostly that you're going to get in the salad are fat-soluble vitamins. So they need fat in order to be assimilated into the body. And a lot of people do this, you know, fat-free dressings thinking that they're be cutting back. No, you just need to use a healthy oil. Right. That's kind of hard to do sometimes. I've brought my own stuff to the restaurant sometimes, but mostly when they're doing olive oil and uh, oil and vinegar, they're using like an olive oil for it. But you can ask them. But that that's actually going to help you assimilate those nutrients a little better. Just don't pour it on, like, like you're saying. You know, like don't yeah. have your um, you know, your your tomatoes shouldn't be drowning in in a salad dressing. That's where people like to sneak in the taste. They'll get the yeah, yeah. eat a salad to get the taste by by the uh, by the dressing. Yeah, and then like, well, I mean, three salads a day. How come I'm, I'm gaining weight? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, um, the diet thing that you mentioned because this is gonna this will lead into the the next uh, question I think, and you mentioned about you know your favorite food and not eating it anymore, and you know that's I think that's part of the problem too. And listening to you explain that is when you hear diet, when people say they're going to want to diet. I think to most people that means that it's going to end at some point too. So, mm. but if you go on a diet, you lose your 10 pounds, you go back to exactly what you're doing before, you know, you're, you're going to be in trouble, which kind of goes into my next question is that, you know, with a lot of diet and workout programs out there, they all seem to work at first. I mean, cause you're, you're going from nothing to, to something usually, right. you yeah. know, but a lot of people then they get stuck. You know, and they just quit after a while because they're not seeing any results anymore. And, you know, hey, none of us like to, to bang our head against the wall and, and get nothing out of it, right? Yeah. You know, and a lot of people call this yo-yo dieting, um, you know, because both their motivation and their, their weight goes goes up and down. This is that whole starting a diet, not dieting, dieting, you know, and on down the line. And it can be really frustrating for people who really want, they're willing to put in some sort of work as long as they see results from it, you know? And so are there are any tips you have from the military's program that can help these people stay on track so that they keep seeing results, which keeps them going instead of, you know, backsliding. And then every new year's it's resolution time again. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I know. And a lot of people, when they gain it back, they gain back even more weight than they had before. So it gets, it can be really frustrating and, and it's easy to blame it on the diet. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, you know, in the military, the basically soldiers don't have a, a they don't have a choice. You know, it's like, you know, if you if you don't lose the weight, like when you're identified as being overweight and you're put on a weight control program, when you come to me, um, you don't have a choice. Like if you don't show consistent progress in getting back to military standards, then you get you get kicked out. And I'm happy to say that nobody in my programs has ever been kicked out. They've always gone back to military standards. Um, but you don't have a choice if you want to stay in the military. The problem with civilians is that you always have a choice, right? Like it's, it's, you know, you start a diet and if it, you know, you, you, it doesn't, it works for a little while and then it stops. And it's like, oh, this diet sucks. I'm, you know, I guess, I guess it wasn't right for me. And, and it's possible that it wasn't a very well designed, you know, diet program or a workout program or something like that. But more than, more often than not, it's, it's probably missing some of the factors that we talked about already. You know, it's missing the variety. It's it's not stimulating muscle the right way. It's it's focused too much too much on diet, not enough on exercise. It doesn't have that right balance. So there's a lot of things that go into it. But, but because because people do have a choice, there are some things that you can do to be able to give yourself a better fighting fighting chance for it. 
So one thing I say is that you need to figure out why you want to get in shape anyway. So I know we have a lot of survivalists on our on our list. We have a lot of people who carry a firearm. Um, you know, so for survival purposes, you know, just like you can say a fat soldier is a dead soldier, you know, I think a fat prepper is a dead prepper. I mean, we talk about bugging out a lot and stuff like that, but, you know, if the balloon ever goes up and the shit ever hits the fan, now you got to put that bug out bag on your back. And if you have to walk anywhere, all of a sudden it's like, oh man. You're not bugging out if you're huffing and puffing. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be on the side of the road pulling everything out of that bug out bag, and like your thumb's going to be up hoping somebody's got a bug out vehicle to come pick exactly. you up. Exactly. All of a sudden, they're like, nah, I don't really need this to survive. <laughs> That's right, honey. We're we're sheltering in place. That's no, right. But you know, and and like you said in the intro, you know, if you're if you are um if you're really into you know firearms and your concealed carry. You need to realize that chances are you're probably not going to get to your gun in time. I know that that flies in the face of what a lot of people think, but you know, so from the standpoint of personal protection, the best shape that you're in, the better your chances of survivability. But you need to figure out what it is for you specifically. So when it comes to health wise, I mean, there were my days back when I was, you know, coaching bodybuilders and I was doing bodybuilding and, and where I, I really cared about my six pack. And then I got older. And it's like I was more worried about what the next doctor's visit was going to be like and hopefully not getting some bad news. I mean, my dad died when I when I was 11 years old. He was only 36 years old. and He died of cancer. So that's always stuck in my mind is that, you know, now that I have children of my own, I want to be around for their wedding. I want to be around to see my grandkids. I want to be around for that. And apparently I don't have the right genes, you know, that are really in my favor if my dad died at 36 of cancer. So um, so my health is really is really important to me. So that's my survival why. Whenever I feel like giving up or I don't feel like, you know, working out today or if I don't feel like eating right or or losing the uh, the couple of extra pounds that I put on from my wife's freaking Christmas cookies this year, then I look at my son and I and I imagine in my mind that, you know, he's getting married and he's going to be walking down the aisle or he's, you know, the bride's going to be walking down the aisle. I'm going to have my grandkids and everything. I want to be around for that. That's the most important thing for me. In order to do that, I need to be healthy. But for you that's listening, it needs to be whatever whatever is the most important thing for you. Because you don't want it to be the doctor's visit that you go to that they say, look, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you know, we're going to do bypass surgery or we're going to, you know, I, I, um, you have a spot on your lungs or whatever it is. That's when a lot of people you know, start taking up, taking better care of themselves. That's the wrong time to do it. The damage is done. I mean, forget it. So you need to figure out what your survival why is. That's what I call it, a survival why. And you need to make that very emotional and very visceral for you because that's what you're going to draw off of to the being the reason why you're continuing to do this. And then from there, there are some little tricks that you can do. So one is is to make your your goal and make it a realistic goal. Um, I talk about this in Battle Ready Body. It's actually the very first step is setting a realistic goal for yourself and then tell other people about it. Because if you, if you start backtracking, if you start going away from your diet and exercise program, then if, if it's only you that you're accountable to, it's real easy to let yourself down. Oh, it was this diet. This diet sucks. I'll find another one sometime or whatever. Like, especially if you've done it over and over again, it's like you're used to letting yourself down and it's no big deal. 
but it can be embarrassing when you let other people down. And I don't mean let them down like, oh, I have my my hopes were so high for you. They really don't give a shit, I don't think. Right. For the most part, you know. But but it can be embarrassing if you if people are asking you like, hey, so how's that program going? And you say, oh, well, that one wasn't the right one for me. They they know better than that. They they know that you know you just basically gave up on it. So that just gives you a little bit of that extra humiliation accountability, I call it, you know, where it, it forces you to realize that there's something else pushing you along there, and that's the fear of embarrassment. So go ahead. I mean, it takes some, it takes some guts to do that. But if, if what you really care about is that survival why and being there for your kids or having more energy during the day or whatever it is for you, if you care enough about that, then it, it makes sense to, to build in that accountability. And then the other thing I would say is you want to weigh yourself every single day. Now, the scale isn't necessarily the, the best predictor of whether a program is working or not because, because muscle weighs more than fat does. So it's possible you could be working out a lot. You can be, you could be doing amazing things in your body. And when you, when you build two pounds of muscle and you lose two pounds of fat, well, that's awesome. But when you step on the scale, it looks the same. You know, it's like, what right. the hell is going on here? I, I look like I'm looking better in the mirror, but the scale's not doing anything. So the scale isn't the best predictor, but it's a really good tracking tool on a daily basis because if you find that you're gaining weight, then it typically gets you back on track with, well, wait a minute, I'm gonna I'm gonna be even more devout to my my nutrition today, or I know I know I kind of sloughed off over the last couple of weeks or or the last couple of days, and so um, you know, I, okay, I'm I'm back on track now. So it can help with that. Or if you do see that you've lost an extra pound or something on the scale, there's a motivator like, wow, this is really working. Now there are there are better ways to be able to track your progress, and I I talk about those in my program with tracking your own body fat. Some scales do that, which works out. I mean, if you can do that, that's even better. But um, but by doing it daily, it gives you the motivation that you need to be on track every single day. And then I recommend that you report that those findings into the person that you're accountable to. So whether it's somebody at work or it's a relative of yours or something like that. You know, ask them to be your accountability coach. And, you know, that, again, you don't want to let them down or if, you know, they've, you've got them pushing for you. Report your stats in because it's going to suck when you go there and say, oh, you know, I, I, um, I gained an extra pound of fat today when I stepped on the scale. And it's like, okay, well, what's going on? You know, I, I saw you eating cookies at, uh, at your desk the other day or those M&Ms in your jar. Maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't have those. I mean, that's like common sense stuff that probably people have no idea about fitness could probably point out to you the things that you're doing wrong. But, but the point is, again, it, it's about that accountability and, and that could, really can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and it, it prevents we were talking about the scale, maybe think it, it prevents what happens to a lot of people, you know, which is they're just going along in life and, and, you know, one day all of a sudden they, they realize whether it's uh stepping on the scale with the doctor or just, you know, a um, reunion or whatever's coming up and they're like, whoa, wh- where'd that 35 pounds come yeah, from? Exactly, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, hey, 35. <laughs> can't do that if you're weighing yourself every day yeah because you're going to notice it uh but this was uh this is some really really fantastic stuff and one thing i just want to mention again that that jeff said because i think it's 
really important and I think the key to everything that you said tonight and, and that is that there at the end there talking about your your reason why and, and I think in in today's you know especially with social media so you're seeing you know all the all the posts with the motivational quotes and the no excuses and just do it and all this stuff that if you want to keep doing it and not quit you really need like you said you've got to find that reason why to you that makes it all worth it and everyone's got one and you know sometimes it might get a little uncomfortable for you to, to dig it out of yourself but yeah would you find that real reason why it makes it a lot easier to stick with what you're doing i i, I think i mean i think that's powerful yeah yeah totally you know, uh, that makes it it makes it a lot easier for you but um well, I appreciate you guesting on your own uh, on your own program and dishing out some uh, some great tips. Um, and hey, everybody, I just hope hope you got a lot out of this. I, I have stuff going around in my brain right now. I don't want to get off track with my uh, my ADD here. But um, be sure to go on over and check out even more military fitness tips, uh, as well as a step by step program um, to get in shape fast over at www.battlereadybody.com. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Greg Gillies saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.